Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Get ready, carbon-based units, as we finally fix ourselves when we land on a magic planet. Our mission with the next generation continues. It's Star Trek Insurrection on Normies Like Us. Have you ever experienced a perfect moment in time? Smooth as an android's bottom, eh, Data? I beg your pardon, sir? This mission is over. It is not over. You're really going to risk igniting the exhaust? All right. I will. You heard it up top. We are boldly going again as we've gone many times. But this time we're going to a magic planet. That's right. Here on Normies Like Us, it's Star Trek Insurrection. With your hosts, uh, Ensign Colin. Mike, son of Moog. And this is, once again, Captain Jake Luke Picab mm. at your service. Getting too Welcome old for back. this. <laughs> yeah. Too old, unless I go to this planet, and then maybe I won't be. Ah. Yeah. Imagine mm. a planet or like a nebula that could, you know, give you your wildest dreams or solve all your problems, you know, like some kind of nexus or, you know, if only there was, you know. A place yeah. you could go where everybody knows your name, but uh, <laughs> you now know our names, and we're here for the ninth time uh, and tenth if we count Galaxy Quest. We're talking, you know, the wow. next in the long line of Star Trek feature films with Insurrection. We've done it. That's right. Star Trek Insurrection, the third Next Generation movie, the ninth overall movie, like you said, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it. How you feel? It's wild, guys? yeah. We're kind of... Getting to the end of the original Trek movies, well, original in TNG, and then it's going to be uh, Abrams Trek, which is a weird yeah, thing to right. think we're right on the cusp of. And I haven't seen those in a long time, but, mm. um, you know, meanwhile, this uh, there is some fortuitous timing. We can maybe just tease this here. But again, there's also yes. now the third season of Picard is wrapped up coincidentally, which, you know, we mentioned earlier, it kind of feels like that show is almost a continuation of the films in a way. But uh, so that's totally. kind of some interesting, uh, some good luck, I'd say. Yeah, you yeah, guys I'll are just... getting some good uh, Trek content. I've been playing Star Wars, watching Star Wars because there's a Star Wars show going on. I felt mm -hmm. a little detached from Trek for like a minute. I'm super happy to be back. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Colin. So, like you said, interesting timing with doing these movies because we have Picard season three. Now we've talked about this show a few times on this on our podcast before. Season one and two, not our favorite. Me and Mike, uh, mm -hmm. I would say, very badly written. Uh, <laughs> I've had a lot of harsh things to say about it. Season You've three, said some yeah. crazy hand. things about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not been uh, kind. I, me neither. Yeah, and I wouldn't recommend them to you, Colin. But. I would recommend this newest season, season three, because I, it's it's done a complete 180 in the way that I think few shows really ever have, where it's this season three, I mean, it's a different showrunner. It's the TNG reuniting the entire cast. It's just a very different feel. And like, like you said, it does feel like one of these TNG movies. And I would say it's absolutely worth checking out just the third season. You don't need to watch the first two. Uh, all you really need to know is that Picard is now in a positronic robot body mm. that uh, ages in the exact same way that an elderly man would, uh, mm -hmm. and he's going to die yeah. at a normal time. But 
regardless, it's not really important. Like, there's nothing you really need from the first two seasons to watch this third season. Would you agree with that, Mike? I would agree with that. Even the finale, not spoiling anything, but like, even if there are what would be considered a callback, I don't think it's required. Because just having knowledge of TNG in general, I think you would you would you would get it. And they'll you know, explain either. anything you need to know. Yeah, they'll fill you. Except you, you know, who's yeah. this Raffi character? Doesn't matter. It's not important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, just chilling with. Chilling with Worf, yeah. But uh, I think yeah. it's definitely worth checking out. It's it's of the next gen movies. If we look at it like that, it's it's definitely in the top twenty five percent of them. I don't know. Like it's I'll better say, than most. Maybe the best. I'll say yeah. Maybe it's a hot take. But wow. I think Picard season three. It's like a ten hour movie, and it's the best TNG movie out of all of them. I think better than First Contact. Uh, which is probably my favorite. Um, right. So I would ac- actually recommend anyone who enjoys the next generation. Check out Picard season three. Like I said, they had a new new showrunner, Terry Metalis, who was writing on season two. He wrote the first two episodes, which coincidentally are the two best episodes of that season. <laughs> and then he left to start developing this third season. And that show went really downhill in the second season after that. So uh, I'll say, yeah, definitely check it out. And without spoiling too much, the way it ends there may be some potential for spinoff and Terry Metalis has, has said that he's interested in kind of following this spinoff. I don't even want to say too much about it just because it's very spoiler heavy mm-hmm. for what happens in this season, but wow. Yeah. Check there's it out. A, lot of, a lot of pieces get moved on the chessboard of Star Trek, I guess there's some interesting yeah. developments in that season. So, um, and it is a lot of, uh, you know, member berries like, <laughs> you know, nostalgia type stuff, which, uh, you know, you can recognize and enjoy and still recognize that that's what it is. But if it's done in a good w- in a way that works within the context of the plot, then I'm not against yeah. it. So but once again, it's like two seasons of Patrick Stewart getting his way, not understanding what people like about Star Trek. And then him finally being like, well, fine. All right. Here we here you <laughs> Yeah. Go. Essentially. Yeah. Like he didn't want it to just be a TNG reunion. Uh, in the first two seasons, they introduced this, introduced this whole cast of new characters. They're just, it's basically a completely different show, just with Picard in it. You have Seven of Nine there, but other than that, it's like all original characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most people just didn't care about any of them. And then they pretty much scrapped everything except Raffi, like I mentioned, who ends up in a relationship with Seven of Nine. Uh, and Seven of Nine comes back in season three. But other than that, it's a TNG. It's the TNG reunion that probably everybody wanted. After Nemesis did poorly, people are like, all right, well, I guess we're not getting another movie. That's the end of next year. Wait, Nemesis forever. is bad? I was looking forward to Tom Hardy. Come on. <laughs> well, stay tuned, Normies. We'll find out. <laughs> Hold on. You're telling me to skip season two and the return of uh, Punk on bus or car? or <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's right. In the future. Kirk Thatcher. That is a good moment within that show. But mostly... And he made that song as we learned in our trivia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Other than that, Cobb quiz. Yeah. Yeah. Wrath of Cobb. But it is interesting, Jacob, like to say, because Nemesis didn't do great. I think fans of the show, and we've brought up, like, the tone of the movies is completely different than, like, the tone of the show. Like, Picard's demeanor and some of the characters are treated differently. That's like Patrick Stewart wanting to get his way. And then it's weird uh, that it's, like, 20-some years later, and now we have a third season of a Picard show. It's, like, just a, a weird... It's almost like seeing the original crew come back 20 years later to start doing their feature films in the 80s or whatever. Like, it's a yeah. weird that time gap is, is existing. It is really again. Weird. Yeah. And I mean, but there's kind of a poetry on 
they do steal certain things just from the history of Star Trek, from the original movies. There's some Wrath of Khan in there. Uh, and, you know, like I said, full of references and stuff for nostalgia for fans that appreciate that kind of thing, while also having an interesting plot, you know, touching on the Dominion War, touching on the Borg, all of your favorite enemies are there. So check it out, Normies. Character development. Yeah, it's it's good. It, it's definitely a... It's made for the fans, but not exclusively a yeah a Easter egg fan fest, right? So they know what they're doing at least with season three. But we're doing Insurrection now. Three times three that's is right. nine, and that's how many of these Star Trek movies we've watched. Um, you know, well, we were at seven of nine, then eight of nine, and now nine of nine. Um, <laughs> but had we seen this, you know, Colin, what's your experience with this movie? Yes. I've only seen it once ever before this. So how oh. is the what's your history? Uh, so to refresh listeners on my history, I. He had kept building up this story of what is my first Star Trek film in theaters. It had turned out to be First Contact. But if you guys remember, uh, for a long time, I thought it was this film, Insurrection. Mm -hmm. My brother corrected me because of the Borg stuff. Uh, I remember vividly seeing this in theaters, guys. And we'll talk about everything about it. But Mm -hmm. the moment that I to this day has like stuck with me for some reason is Picard turning to the kid and being like, you must be really old. And and (laughs) like, no, it doesn't kick until puberty. (laughs) Yeah. Little Colin being like, that's so smart. That's so cool and interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. That that was one of my favorite lines. You and I, you're 75. Yeah. I and mean, we learned there's a magic planet. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. I remember not liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen it once since then. Eh, I kind of remember being bored by it. I'm coming in with a take on this. We'll we'll talk our first reactions once we jump into it and start talking it. But I think there is something here. But Jacob, what is your mm. history with this movie? Uh, yeah, I, I think I, you know, I saw this when I was younger um, and I sort of remembered it. But I was like, I, I remember not liking it as well and uh, just being kind of bored by it. Um, and that's, you know that's about it really. Like there's nothing to that really stood out for me too much. Rewatched it again, like a year ago when I was going through all these movies and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. I'm excited. Yeah. And I had only seen this once, you know, in college, like maybe 10 years ago now, geez, I went through and I just watched all the Star Trek movies cause I'd never done it. So I only did one run. I don't have, you know, a ton of memories about this uh, really before rewatching. Like I knew, you know, magic planet, invisible ship, <laughs> blah 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 right um, so, so, the, the big points <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> well we, we've seen stories like this in star trek and we'll talk about that too of like oh we need to recloak you know we'll, we'll get into it but this is not something yeah. that has not been done before in tng even but um some familiar ground we're treading but uh you know definitely not one that stuck with me i was always a first contact person but i guess we'll just have to see how we're feeling as we dive into our rewatch of insurrection and don't forget at the end of this we also have the wrath of Cobb quiz as we always do for these looking forward to that that's as right well. it that's returns right. i've had 40 years of apprenticeship uh, so i'm ready to finally take the test and <laughs> move on to <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah it'll be great so catch you on the next side of this uh invisible force field uh, right after this normies We're back here on Normies Like Us, where we're talking our ninth Star Trek film in our Star Trek film watch-along here on Normies Like Us, Star Trek Insurrection. 
Uh, we're going to dive in, talk about how this film was made, who it was made by. Um, guys, are you okay? Jacob, I noticed you took your glasses off. Is, <laughs> is everything all right? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm stretching my skin out a little bit. You know, I'm just getting a little <laughs> rejuvenated. In my vision, yeah, repairing itself is pretty wild. <laughs> Three glasses wears. All of our vision is getting better. You know, I've never seen a sunrise, but we'll, we'll talk all about it. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's talk first yeah. about this film. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, this film came out in 1998. Uh, doesn't seem that long ago, but that is 25 years ago. Uh, as Does not might. seem that long ago. That's so scary to me. <laughs> no, no. Um, but it's true. And, Are we the uh, Baku? Are we ancient? <laughs> I think so. Right. Um, we need that planet so we can slow down time a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. now who's behind this, you might ask? Well, if you remember Generations First Contact, uh, we had, you know, we're following the trend of hiring these Star Trek brain trust people who are involved in different Star Trek writer rooms. Uh, for those movies, it was, you know, Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore. Uh, this one, and of course, First Contact was also directed by Jonathan Frakes, number one mm-hmm. himself. Uh, and this movie was also directed by Jonathan Frakes, and it was written by Michael Piller, who is another writer uh, involved with Star Trek. He actually was a showrunner. He, he show ran Next Generation for a couple years, then he left to co-create Deep Space Nine, show ran that for the first two seasons, then handed that off to Iris Stephen Bayer, went on to co-develop Voyager, and show ran that for two years. Uh, so he's been involved in this, very extensively in this era of Star Trek in the, in the late 80s and 90s. That's pretty wild, because you think like... Roddenberry, you know, original series, a little bit of input on some of the feature films and stuff. But like, you know, then you have um, this guy, Berman, right? Well, Rick Berman, I was going to mention, he's the, of course, the overseer of all of Star Trek at this right, time. He's right, the, sorry. sort of the Kevin Feige of Star Trek. And he did help develop the story as he did for all these TNG movies. Not a good guy. You know, I've mentioned him before. We'll talk about mm-hmm. him maybe a little later. Uh, a lot of controversy surrounding him and you know, bad decisions that kind of can be traced to him. Uh, but he was involved with this one as well. Michael Piller, uh, is a guy that I like because he's, he wrote a bunch of, uh, well-known TNG episodes like the best of both worlds. Uh, and you know, he started DS nine, even though I do think it got better when I or Steven bear took over. He's a guy that knows his star Trek, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I was just going to say, sadly, he passed away in 2005. Uh, due to cancer, I believe. Dang, that's yeah. great when we're getting into Abrams verse. But yeah, my, Michael Piller kind of having a hand in launching or continuing three like massive Star Trek shows. Like that's pretty interesting, I guess is what yeah. I was trying to say. Um, so good totally, on him. Yeah, he, and uh, you know this movie. So you know Patrick Stewart. We've talked about him in the past. He wanted to be more action man. He felt Generations <laughs> felt like a long, you know, a longer episode of the show than First Contact felt like a you know much more of a movie he became sort of an action movie guy now he's saying you know what i like doing the action thing let's try to bring it a little bit back towards the tv side and kind of split okay. the difference between those first two mm. and again this movie does feel like an extended episode of the show yeah i think we all agree on that right that's one of the first things i thought when we were watching as i was watching it i'm like this does just feel like a two or three parter like you just throw on on a sunday afternoon yeah and like let it ride 
And it feels, you know, much lower stakes than First Contact. First Contact, you brought back the Borg, the big enemy of the card. Uh, this one, we're going to scale it down a little bit. It's going to be a little lighter in tone. There's going to be more comedy, uh, you know, one-liners kind of thrown in there. It's going to be much smaller stakes. We're just dealing with this planet, 600 people or whatever. What are you guys' feelings generally on this movie, though? Well, we're nine films into Star Trek movies. So are we experts? Do we kind of know what a Star so. Trek movie is? I think yeah, so. I would say. Um, I guess you kind of have to ask yourself after watching these, it's like, why does one need to exist? Why isn't it just an episode of the TV show? Although, again, obviously, this is set much further. There is no mm. more TNG going on. So it's kind of just an excuse to keep going. Yeah. Uh, I think you kind of have to bring something to the table to explore. And can I ask you a spoiler for a month from now, Jacob? Is Nemesis also the product of this brain trust board? No. So that's the big difference with Nemesis. Okay. Is they, mm, for, like basically for the first time, they hire this outside talent, which the OG okay. movies were doing occasionally, but a director who's never done anything with Star Trek, a writer who's never done anything with Star Trek in Nemesis. So it'll have a very different tone, let's say. So we're nine films in, but of these TNG ones, right? Specifically, they have not yet done, like you're saying, the weird pickoff of let's hire a guy who doesn't know anything about Star Trek and see what he thinks Star Trek is, which yeah. the old films really found some success for. Spoiler alert, I know that the TNG films won't then based on the product that is that last one. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting that then we're going to get into the J.J. Abrams universe where I will just solidly say, I think that is three films of two directors who are not Trek guys at all. So you just get a whole run of a universe where there's not sort of the brain trust or the real yeah. Trekky vibe of it, right? I'm mm. excited when we get to the Abrams movies because I think J.J. Abrams, you're right. He's not a Trek guy. He's a Star Wars guy, and he wanted to make Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Ended up yes, making really. Star Wars. But uh, before that, he made Star Trek, and he just like said, I'm going to make this like yeah. Star Wars, basically. So, and, and John M. Chu is like, he's just like, a, I like action figures and toys guy. And the movie he makes, you're like, fuck, yeah, you do, dude. This is great. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I it's, think um, like, mm -hmm. just real quick to end, like we have to think about like, why does a Star Trek movie deserve to exist then again, to not just be those episodes? And I think this one actually does an interesting job where it asks a question, uh, you know, not unlike my uh, beloved whales in space one, where it's literally them being like, you know, should we fucking like do some good stuff and like take care of some things or like make one with a message? This one, I think kind of does an interesting deconstruction of a, a core Star Trek message, which is the needs of the many outweigh the needs mm. of the few. And this mm -hmm. film says like, what's the cutoff for the many? Like, what is it to say that this amount of people versus this amount of people really is that different? Right. And I'll say yeah. this, um, because this is maybe my biggest takeaway from this movie is that, yeah, it's doing the, classic star trek morality tale right mm -hmm. my biggest problem with this movie is that i don't really agree with the choices that picard and the rest of the crew the enterprise make in sure. this movie in fact i think they're doing the wrong thing and i would have done the opposite of what they did so this can kind of you can kind of see why this might not be my favorite one because i just don't agree with 
the, the side they're on, I guess, in this movie. Yeah. And I guess, you know, there'll be spoilers here. And it's just a setup, I think, because there's not much plot to work through, really. So just set up the moral conundrum. No. It's, it's essentially there's a couple hundred people on this planet. They do not age. They're in their prime for their whole life once they hit, you know, once they're grown up, they stop aging. Yeah. And then it's there's the, a – yeah, go ahead. If yeah. You want to. Well, it's sort of the fountain of youth myth, right? This planet right. has these special – aging properties where you don't age, you don't have any kind of sickness or anything. You know, if you're blind, you start, your your eyes start regenerating and things. So, uh, you can actually get younger by visiting this planet and healthier. Yeah. Uh, and the morality here is that as we learned, Starfleet wants to use this technology, use this uh, special ability, spread it throughout the world to help potentially millions of people, right? Billions, Whereas they say. 600. Billions. A very, a very key amount. 600 mm-hmm. people populate this planet versus yes. an endless amount of life that will be saved and rejuvenated because of this problem. Multiple galaxies, right. worlds. Yeah, come on. And you're right, Colin. You're getting into the uh, Star Trek maxim, you know, what's, you know, the, the good of the many outweigh the few or the one. Or the one, So, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, the Federation wants to take these properties and spread them all over the galaxy, whereas these people are like, this is our home. We want to stay here. Also, they have to be relocated for, in like, order for this process. Yeah, we, we have to relocate them. So they were going to do it secretly. They were going to like teleport them into the ship, secretly relocate them, and then they could have all the radiation and whatever. Because whatever they're testing is, it would make the planet inhospitable, I guess. So it's like, we got to get yes. them out of here. But it's hopefully going to save billions of people. So that is the moral conundrum. There's a little bit of tie-in with the villain, and we can talk about that later. But pretty much that's right. it. Do we move 600 people to help a billion people? And Picard says, we don't. I think just because he has a crush on that lady. I think he's not making clear yeah. decisions. This is where he's kirking it up. And uh, yeah. just to say, the, the very clear metaphor we can make is when we move a native Alaskan tribe – to drill as much oil as we can, right? Yes, yes. That's, true. that's what yeah, we're that's framing. A, that's a good point. Um, and, it, you know, again, it falls into the prime directive discussion, which has been had many times in different episodes of, like, when do we use the prime directive? When do we break it? You know, different Star Trek captains and characters have bent or broken the prime directive in the past mm-hmm. under, you know, certain circumstances. So, God, if Kirk says, had gone down to that planet and gotten more virile, like we would. Oh all my god! <laughs> oh my god! He, that's how the villain should have been in generation. Should have been Kirk finding this planet, just becoming such an egomaniac. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I think Picard, it's already turning Picard more into a Kirk kind of guy. Yeah, because Picard's willing to resign from Starfleet, and this is where the insurrection of the title comes in. Right. Uh, you know, he's willing to side with this group of 600 colonists over the Federation. And, you know, the Federation, of course, is working with these other aliens, the so- the Sona, uh, yeah. which have their own thing going on. Um, but, I mean, what do you guys think? Would you have done what Picard does or would you have said, no, I think the greater good is more important. We can move these people to a different planet and, you know, s- help m- billions of people. 
here's here's the issue I'm having because it is tricky because we've seen like I said at the open like there's episodes where we have like like a Native American tribe in space that's being relocated like we've done this thing but the twist on it is this culture has already been uh, warp capable and they chose to not do it so we can kind of the, the prime directive sort of doesn't apply, which then makes me wonder, why don't you just have a fucking dialogue with them? And be like, yo, 600 of you, you're kind of hogging this technology that could help a lot of people selfish. instead of just hiding in like, what, what are you doing? Just talk to them. They're, they're, and you these, know, it's, anyway, yeah. This is yeah, this home. community, I should mention, like you said, they're anti technology. It's not that they don't have or don't know about technology. It's just they ch- choose to not use it. They're, they're like Luddites. return you know, trad cats or whatever who want to live off the land mm-hmm. in a simpler way. Uh, but they do know about, they have warp capabilities so that prime directive doesn't apply in the same way that it would if they didn't. Um, yeah. It's, and I yeah. should also mention, um, you know, these, this, these aliens, the Baku who just happen to look like all white people, right? Oh yeah. They look like white humans. Thank uh, God. And the spring <laughs> collection from the gap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of so cotton like, linens. They're this, you know, extremely isolationist population of white people who just want to live off the land. And Picard's like, you know what? These people are worth uh, resigning from Starfleet to, in order he to gets radicalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he Damn. gets in, he wants to insurrect. He wants to January sixth the Federation. Starfleet. He does. I, I was wondering when we start watching this, what's the insurrection? Who are we insurrecting against? I'm like, oh, we're doing it against Starfleet. Wild. Right. <laughs> was the fucking shaman? He came in with a big water <laughs> buffalo on his head. Yeah. Face. Wild. And yeah. Course, so we've done these. We've done these. Starfleet is is evil, or Starfleet has been corrupted, or there's bad mm-hmm. actors inside of Starfleet or the Federation. Plenty of times, even up to Picard season three. To mention that again. Not spoiling too much, but of course there's been bad admirals at the admirals, yeah, uh, bad morals, if you will, bad admirals, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, That's great. And again, I think the villain, you know, the villains of this, it suffers from the MCU problem where the villain actually has some good points, but then they also have to make them like explicitly evil to be like, no, these are the bad guys. See, he's like, he wants to kill people. You yeah. know, he has a completely good point and he's actually right in my opinion. Should we set up the motivation of the villains then? Because what we, you know, we learned that the Baku, they left their old planet, flew here just to chill, but some of them wanted to live with the technology. And then because mm-hmm. of that, now they're aging and shit's getting fucked up. And so well, they're like, yeah. Yeah. And that's the twist of it because when we're first introduced, we have the, Baku and the Sona, two different what we think are two different alien races. The they, Baku, they like look I mentioned, so different, Jacob. These <laughs> yeah. aren't just white people in Gap clothes. How could no, they, they got to staple their face? Uh, they're Beverly Hills white people. Yeah, but as they we find out, their because skin. they left, uh, you know, over a hundred years ago, they started aging, so their skin is all loose. They have all these anti-aging measures that they're trying to do to. Well, you really feel the writers <laughs> being like. What would Star Trek plastic surgery look like? And you're like, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, they look great. You know, obviously it's working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, they're definitely, yeah, they're definitely like we're running out of ideas and we need to pull the trigger on this uh, youth planet now. Today. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we find, you know, the main They team up with the Starfleet Admiral. Yeah. They're like, hey, there's this planet. We can go there. Yeah. So the main the main bad guy is Ruafu, played by mm-hmm. F. Murray Abraham. Mark Ruafu is his Mark name. Mark, Mark Ruafalu. Ruafu. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark Ruafu. That's great. Nice. Um, Gamma radiation yeah, caused like, that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He gets radiated. 
Uh, and they're working sort of in secret with Starfleet and they're going to, like you said, put these people inside of a giant holodeck to make them think they're still in their village. Uh, kind of a devious plan right there. Haven't they done that exact thing though? (laughs) That's gotta be from an episode where they like, probably, I mean, at least the Irish colony, they, you know, had them in the cargo bays, but that's a different, they didn't trick them. There's space Irish. Star Trek is weird. Space Irish. Yeah. Like you said, they've done this idea or this similar idea before. You know know what was really hitting me? The Strange New Worlds Una episode. What were Mm. her people called? The Mm. Illyrians? Yeah. Illyrians. Some of them modified themselves. Some of them didn't, right? Yeah. And that became like a big difference. Yeah. Not bad. And but, again, like you mentioned, yeah. uh, the Baku, they're not even indigenous to this planet. They moved here from a different planet. Yeah, you assholes. Yeah, as and they're just hogging the fountain of youth, essentially, yeah, like, the way I look at planet, it. I've lived here for five years. <laughs> I think I would know where my home world is. You're like, yeah. wait, how long? <laughs> <laughs> you came here in a Bentley? <laughs> so it's sort yeah. of, yeah, it sort of mixes that allegory of like, you know, indigenous people being relocated forcibly. But it is, you know, it's an interesting, you know, it's a Star Trekky worth discussion. Like they, there would have been a regular season episode like this, and this is just a longer version of that. Yeah, just the way they present it, like they're they're trying to put a twist. Oh, but they came here, but like it ends up kind of diluting the message of forcibly relocating indigenous peoples at that point, and that's why it's like yeah. hard for me to be like Picard. Did, I don't know if he did the right thing, man. Like I don't it's know. It's not like it's their religion. No, they just, like, no. Know, they, like, they just chose. They just like living there. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> Which is fine. Again, like you said, you know, this a lot of things could have been worked out or solved by talking. You know, diplomacy, that's kind of what, you know, the Federation is supposed to be. Oh, isn't that about. a Star Trek thing? <laughs> Especially a next generation thing? We talk yeah. it out? <laughs> no, yeah. not in the movies. But no, we've got a bad admiral who wants to secretly do all this stuff. Um yeah, so that's that. That's that's pretty much the the movie, the stakes, and 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 what we're dealing with. And you know, we get a third act. You know, punch them up and shoot them up. Like, oh, we're gonna wipe them out anyway. We need to get on the planet. You know, it's like you know, everybody gets desperate. But pretty much that's it. The the, the yeah. core is that moral question, and it does feel like a long episode. Um, it also feels very low budget, like an episode because it it's just in the California yeah. desert. And, and you know. The- <laughs> But the cast feels so low budget too. We're not really introducing any movie stars. F. Murray Abraham really isn't anybody at this point. And who plays the Admiral? To me, I'm looking at him. I'm like, were you in like a Seinfeld episode around this Anthony time? Anthony Zerb. Uh, he's been in some stuff, but he's not a huge name or anything. Right. And then uh, Picard's love interest in this, Anish or, or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's played by Donna Murphy, who is a, who is a Broadway uh, star before this so not really a big movie star not really someone who was into star trek or anything um but yeah that's what we're dealing with and i mean to start it off we get uh mm-hmm. i just want to mention this first scene well we have you know data sort of going rogue for reasons we oh, don't yes. understand yet yeah uh but then we cut up to the the uh, Enterprise 1701E. Uh, yeah. We see a bunch of that in this movie, which is interesting. And we see our crew in dress uniforms, looking great. You know, they got the white I did like those. Suits. Yep. Look, I suck when it comes to Star Trek fashion because I told you guys in the motion picture, I thought their pajamas were really cool that they're running around in that movie <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. I yeah. thought these outfits were <laughs> maybe the coolest we've seen in Star Trek so far. They fucking rule. Yeah. yeah, I did like these formulas. They're looking sharp. 
Um, and I, I oh, think this I first scene. The fish claws. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I the actually really like this this uh, first scene because you've got yeah. you know it's a classic TNG thing where you got some random alien race coming on board. They're doing some diplomacy stuff, making small talk or whatever. It's light. It's fun. You know, I'm like, this is a throwback to the show. I like this. I didn't mm-hmm. like the first contact boat holodeck stuff. This, this yeah. to me, this is a better a way to start. More, yeah, like a, a movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you get, Worf, what are you doing here? And like, there's a lot of shit going on. They're just like, wow, we're so busy on the Enterprise. And, you know, I did like this opening scene. I'm like, wow, this is, yeah, this feels like we're in for just a, a nice ride. throwback to the vibe of the show. It's not super action heavy. And uh, like you said, you know, they bring Worf. Uh, Worf is on DS9 at this point, of course. They're constantly having to think of ways to bring him back. In this one, I like, like that they just cut it Worf, off. Yeah, why are you here. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I was hey, on a planet. And they're like, I'll, I'll catch you later. I got to do something. Like they don't even let him explain it. Picard's yeah. like, oh yeah, hold on, hold that thought. I got to go. <laughs> so, and then, right. and I wasn't appreciating this as a kid. I didn't, I hadn't seen Deep Space Nine, but when he's like, come call Deep Space Nine. Tell them we're borrowing Worf for a minute. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Even bringing up stuff. DS9. <laughs> Like the uh, the enemy aliens that start with an S and have an apostrophe too. I can't remember the name. Sanu or whatever. Sona. Uh, Sona. You know they're talking like, oh, they they making Ketrasel white and like that's a Deep Space Nine thing. And it's like, yes. oh, okay, okay. So you know, little Easter eggs there, which I appreciated getting this those. Is cool. They, they were selling shit to uh, the Ketrasel white, which is what the Gem Hadar. It's the drug that Je- the Gem Hadar are forced to use, so they stay addicted and they stay loyal to the Dominion. They're the Dominion foot soldiers and all that. Mm-hmm. So. uh so a little a lip service to DS9. Yeah, I like to see that. And uh, yeah, so you get the nice the nice uh, formal uniforms. Then you get the main uniforms of this movie, which I, I forgot to mention the first contact one last time, but they're rocking the new DS9 look, which is the gray, gray jacket shoulders. colored Kinda undershirt sweaters. to demote, yeah. uh, you know, uh, section like engineering is yellow, command is red. Um, I didn't realize TNG, DS9 special. Wow. Yeah. That was started on DS9. First contract they had those. Uh, and yeah, we see them again. We see a lot also of the 1701E. Like I said, we see the bridge. We see all over the ship. Um, and it just made me think, especially after seeing, you know, Picard season three, uh, hint, hint. But man, yeah. I just like the 1701D so much more than the E, especially okay. the bridge. When they're in the bridge, I'm like, man. It's just not the same. You know, the D has the wood paneling, the carpet, like it just what? looks cozy. Uh, well, the Enterprise uh, D is great, yeah. But uh, yeah. here's the thing, too. I, this has been brought up. Carpet. Well, they, the car- there is carpet in the, the next gen yeah, thing. But, it's um, not all like, you know, cold metal. You know, it's got a nice welcoming vibe to it. Diplomacy, yeah. Again, it's, it's, a, it's not a battleship. It's an exploration vessel. Uh, this, you know, the E just feels so much more kind of cold and like metallic and yeah i just don't like the bridge of the e there's a thing with star trek shows especially new ones too it's like what would you want to live on for three years right like one of the new like super dark you know bridges or the enterprise d where there's carpet and wood paneling and like plants sometimes you would want to live on that ship of any of them i would not be in quarters i would be in the bunks like in lower decks okay yeah worried about it yeah you just be a little ends and colin um but, but still, you'd rather live on a ship that has a little bit of – it feels homey, yeah. not like industrial, yeah. right? It's brutalist. we got these brutalist bridges. I don't like it. Go to a Klingon ship. kind of explain that in your head by saying, well, it's a different era of the Federation 
had the Dominion War, which was hugely that's you know, true. A lot of casualties in that. They've had attacks from the Borg and First Contact, so they've been through a lot of shit at this point. And yeah, you know, so maybe that would lead them to make a more militaristic kind of ship designs and stuff because it's mm. been messed up for for the last couple of years. So like, we need you know, we need guns. You know. We did have the Defiant being built in this time period, so yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I, I like that, Jacob. That's a good way to rationalize it because he yeah. already even says in this movie, like, there's a lot of shit going on with the, you know, yeah. Federation right now. It's pretty wild. So, yeah, Federation's yeah. basically getting their shit rocked by the Dominion. They've just recovered from that, and now there's this planet, uh, you know, Baku that they have to deal with, <laughs> which kind of feels low level for them. But then he's like. Well, yeah. Data's over there. I got to see what's going on with Data. And then Picard kind of stays longer than he should because they're like, oh, okay, cool. You, you got your robot. Uh, you're going to leave now, right? And he's like, I need to investigate more. And they're like, hey, uh, you're going to leave yeah. yet? And like slowly, like, get him out yes. of here. <laughs> and he unravels kind of what happened. We find out that Data discovered their holodeck. Yeah, the way the uh, probe, they just send Data out to do stuff sometimes. Yeah, isn't yeah, he like he goes on a high-ranking officer? Sometimes. Why would he do that? <laughs> He's like an because undercover can, uh, agent, just as a scary robot that everybody could see is a robot. Yeah, so that's why he's invisible in the first scene, right? But the sort of the red herring mystery of it all is like, okay, Data's going rogue for some reason. They need to stop him because he's going to like kill somebody. Mm-hmm. And they even say like, all right, if you can't stop him, you're going to have to fucking put, put him, him down. down. <laughs> and Picard's like, all right, if anyone has to do it, it'll be me because I'm his friend. Which is an uh, interesting uh, Picard season one thing, which don't worry, none of that's consequential, but you know. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, that, you know, they eventually catch Data by singing Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh, <laughs> oh, and yeah. This to me is like, do you think these two are doing this between takes on set of the old episodes? And we're like, oh, we sure. have to put in one of our famous songs that, uh, that I do with Data in between. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the lady that plays his love interest, too. Uh, we met in a Broadway rehearsal for this play. Yes. You, you know, like... But I could see right. Brett Spiner being like, you know, I used to do some theater, too, uh, yeah. Patrick, and them, like, well, really bonding with that on set. And, like, yeah, they, yeah. I guarantee they used to do this bit together. Mm-hmm. Totally. And Brent Snyder, Brent, Brent Spiner, Spiner uh, you know, he loves to ham it up whenever he gets the chance because he's played Data for so long as this very... Flat, mm-hmm. you know, robot with no emotions. Anytime he gets to like ham it up, he's going I didn't crazy. Think about that. That's I mean, great. yeah. If you you know, just watch Independence Day if you want to see really over the top Brent Spiner. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> watch even in watch number two. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. wow. And even the in Picard's new episodes of Picard, he gets to play all these relatives uh, because all his you know all of Noonien Soong's ancestors looked like Brent Spiner for some reason. So he's played. <laughs> Four or five different like relatives of this scientist that created data. Brothers uh, of yeah, all that. That's great. Yeah. Lore. And in season three, he gets to do he gets to like switch between his lore, data, personalities, uh B2, what? which is a character we'll meet in Nemesis. Really excited for that. Uh, mm-hmm. what what <laughs> happens to Lore in the finale of the show that he was never the villain in one of the movies? Because that seems so obvious to me to just, again, as an outsider, to be like, yeah. well, isn't, don't you guys have like a con? Well, why isn't Q the star of one of these movies? Man, right. right? 
was he just disassembled at some point? I don't remember the exact end of lore. I'm not but. sure. Yeah, I don't remember what happened to him. They brought him. They brought him back a couple times in the show. In I think the last episode he's in, he's leading like a group of rogue Borg, and they're like following. I've him seen as that one. Leader. That one's really yeah, good. Yeah, I really yeah. like that one. But I thought uh, this was going to be lore. Like when he's firing the phaser on the base and going rogue, I'm like, this isn't data probably. Like I, for, you know, I thought maybe that's where they're going with this because it had been so long since I'd seen it, but uh, that was not the case. Um, yeah. Missed opportunity. It's ultimately just sure. a red herring to get the Enterprise to this planet. Uh, this planet is in a area called the Briar Patch, which has like shitload of, anom- of anomalies. Uh, rays or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sensors don't, like don't work and stuff. You know, it's typical Star Trek. It's really hard to transmit in here. You know, it's, yeah. So, yeah. But then, yeah, um, that's, that's, well, we discovered that that's how Data figured out what well, was going on. Because they're they, hanging around too long, we slowly figure out what the deal is, yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about somebody real quick that we kind of have not brought up yet in mm. one big creative angle, too. Let's talk about the director. Let's talk about Jonathan Frankenbeans real quick. I think he's a little out of his element in this film, and I guess I can understand why he's I, he is not brought back to direct the next one. No, well, I have some behind the scenes info about that you might find interesting. Mm. Um, because they were really happy with how First Contact came out, so they're like, yes. well, "We're going to bring you back." He felt like um, after a while that he didn't have enough creative control because Rick Berman was overseeing everything, so he had to follow uh. what Rick Berman wanted to do, and he felt like, oh. Basically, Rick Berman's philosophy was that a director should just basically just get the, the story on screen in the most efficient way possible. And Jonathan Franks wanted to more kind of be more creative about it, right? Mm-hmm. The, I feel like the spaceship stuff, anytime we're on the Enterprise, he knows what's going on and he's just in his element. It's the exterior stuff on the planet that I feel like is that straightforward flat stuff, Jacob. And it's so yeah. surprising because First Contact has like some great sets and exteriors and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this planet is just, you know, a very nice, out, you know, nature planet. But it's, it's nothing... overly lit. People are literally yeah. just wearing the blandest whites and tails, <laughs> Mike said. I yeah, mean, lots like... of browns. It's literally any hiking trail in the Los Angeles area. Like it's, yeah. it's yes. that background that we see in all, like it's probably where they shot Darmok, you know, Ten- Tenabro, you know, Tengrid with Darmok, right. whatever. Like it's the same fucking be- place. It's the lowest budget spot you can pick, you know, and no again, interesting movie, camera work. Like, yeah. no, it's very flat. Yeah. It would have been fine for an episode of the show, but for a movie in 1998, it's like, you want to see a little more of the budget on screen, I guess. It's not cinematic. Yeah. And that's why it felt so much like a long episode too. Not only because the plot is lower stakes and stuff, it's just like, yeah, it kind of looks more like a show outside of the stuff on the ship. Yeah. It, like when you're on the planet, it's like, yeah, this is just, you know, yeah. moral issue of the week. And also yeah. the pacing of the story is just kind of weird where it kind of takes forever to get going of like Picard figuring out what's going on. Like he's investigating. Why did data go rogue? What happened to him? He goes on the planet. They the whole ca- the whole crew starts experiencing odd things of like, oh, I feel so much better and younger. I have so much energy. Uh, Worf is going through Klingon puberty, which is pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> oh. Anfar is such a 
huge Star Trek thing of Vulcan puberty. Mm-hmm. To, to lean on this again just feels so lazy to me. Mm. They didn't do yeah, enough they, with it. Yeah. 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 Well, it's they kind of the foreshadow like the first scene where you see it, he like wakes up late and Picard's like, oh, I don't know how they do things on DS9, but, uh, you know, here on the Enterprise, we report to our duty on time. And right. just like wakes up, hits his head on like <laughs> above him and it's just like a mess and then he gets a pimple yeah. he's like having all the problems like they make michael dorns do so much humiliating stuff Why? in this movie <laughs> well they make him yeah uh, walk the plank in the previous one too man they're always clowning yeah more. um they make him but, sing gilbert and sullivan oh they do make him sing gilbert. i'm not a merry man um they do tease the stuff early though i did appreciate because like uh Riker and deanna are looking at a screen early on and she's like rubbing his neck and he's like yeah you haven't done that in a while and she's like what yeah you know, like they're more affectionate now it's like the, the planet's already having an effect before they explicitly state that so they are kind of totally. doing like what would be first act you know yeah. five act star trek stuff and, it just yeah good yeah. groundwork and that's the started strong yeah the biggest other thing about this movie is the uh, Riker Troy relationship is rekindled in this in this movie because before this they're not together. Like in most of the show, they're not together. They had like a previous. You might not even know this, Colin, but uh, they had like a previous relationship. But they agreed to just be coworkers and friends for a long time. That's why she says like when he shaves his beard or before he shaves his beard, he kisses her and she's like, "Oh, I'm not used to kissing you with a beard," even though he had a beard for like most of the run of the show. Ah. Um, so you would think maybe if you didn't know TNG that well that they'd just been together for a long time and you know but this is really where they're the the planet's effects rekindled their romance and they end up staying together even into this new Picard show which does make it feel like the status quo you're totally right if you've only kind of seen the more recent stuff it's like oh they've always been together but yeah and then he, he gets yeah. to shave what the beard what were they like in first contact I can't even remember they were just trying they to make like sure flirty. Cochran wasn't drunk yeah <laughs> they're kind of always flirty but they were never together together like they are explicitly they get back together in this movie um they shave his beard he shows up with no beard it looks you know weird everyone's like Mm -hmm. please grow your beard back out you look weird (laughs) yeah but it fits he's feeling younger i like that's definitely signifies young Riker to me because he's only in the first season so it did feel like he's getting his youth back yeah and um the biggest one for me is Jordy. You know, he gets his eyesight back. And he's like, I've never yeah. seen a Yo. sunrise or a sunset. I'm like, that's good, Colin. And what do you think? It's, again, stuck with me since theater. It's so clear that they do this because they realize LeVar Burton is one of the best looking guys on their cast. He is such a fucking hottie in this movie. He looks good in the new Picard, too. The, uh, little salt and pepper, dude. Not uh, going to lie. Yeah, he's yeah, good. great. For yeah. his age compared to the rest of the crew, yeah, he definitely is aged probably the best um yeah and not just that but also that he's a he's a good actor when he can use his eyes uh to you know be expressive and stuff so they're allowing yep. him to do that more i mean he already had the implants instead of the visor i um, yeah can i say but, i wish i just wish yeah. they wouldn't have done the implants and saved it for this because how cool yeah. he takes the visor off yes. and it's like dude that'd been I mean, awesome but they want to have him emote moment. Yeah, yeah 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 so anyway i think that's very powerful but to see him acting like it's captain the sensors it's like oh so that's what his eyes were doing the whole time in every episode of tng we yeah. just never saw it yeah and even in picard he's using his eyes a bunch and it's great he's very emotive um, so it's good for him to get that but yeah and this this speech about the sunset is really good too because he, throughout the show he's kind of expressed like oh like one of his greatest wishes is, would be to actually see a sunset like that and experience it how other humans do. And so now mm-hmm. he's finally getting that chance. So that's really great for him. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, and everyone's feeling great. Picard's doing a little tango, right? When he puts on his music in his quarters. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's definitely a Patrick Stewart note. <laughs> uh, what if there are you like dance. several in this film. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Got to do the tango. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he finally gets his wish of having a love interest. Uh, Not since so Risa. Than, yeah. Uh, like even, you know, Lily in First Contact, it wasn't, they weren't, they didn't have really had a romantic relationship. No. They were just kind of friends. Now mm-hmm. he gets a niche. Uh, a niche. An older woman. Yeah. <laughs> Which he's always been attracted to. <laughs> That's right. Right. Uh, yeah, he says that. Um, and let me think what happens next. I, it, it, again, the plotting is kind of weird, but it's, again, they're just always saying, hey, when are you guys going to leave? They're learning more about yeah. this culture, you know, and like, oh, we're getting a lot of check ins with the Admiral and the yeah. the, the other people. The, the Sonan, what are they again? The Sona. So, yeah. Yeah, they asked, they're getting they their asked, faces stretched. Yeah, right, right. And then they asked Data, "Hey, where were you when when you went crazy?" And he's like, "Oh, I was following these kids." And the kids were like, "Oh, we were by the lake, and we go to the lake." And they're like, "Oh, there's a holodeck ship." And that's where Invisible we're like, "What ship. the hell is this?" You know? Right. So then Picard uncovers this whole plan to relocate the Baku. He goes back to the Admiral. He's like, "What the fuck?" Um, but it, eventually, it really yeah. never gets over like the tone of a scold, though. Another weakness yeah. I would put to this film is yeah. like Patrick Stewart's chewing you out, and it just feels like he's disappointed in you. And I'm like, this is like the bad guy of the movie for you. And yeah. Again, it doesn't have the stakes of like First Contact, where no. it's like the whole world. You're doing is a mean head. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. I don't approve. Okay. Well, and again, he's willing to resign from. We Starfleet, have orders. Um, something that he would only do in like a very, you know, very serious circumstances. Would he ever consider, you know, going against his duty as a Starfleet officer, hanging up the pips, taking them off his collar? Uh, mm-hmm. He does that to defend these six hundred people. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, seems a little out of character for Picard, but. I you, the problem is, you know what the writers are trying to do? They're trying to endear us to this culture, right? And even, um, even like, Jordy's like, I would give my eyes up to protect these people. Everyone's like, all these wow. benefits, <laughs> it's not worth it. You know, and they're really heavy-handed with, like, these people are being oppressed. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing. So if that's you use the issue. this ability for the entire galaxy, they can still, they will still be able to access this ability, too. Um yeah, we'll and just ship it to you. For hundreds of years, they, you know, why do these people get to live forever, but everyone has to suffer and have illnesses yeah. and death and mortality? Right, right. Because if we can harness it and get it to other places, you can still have it too. So you just will relocate. You have a conversation. We'll give you subsidies. We'll give you so much fucking cool shit. You know, yeah. state of the art replica, whatever you want. You don't like technology, but we'll give you whatever you want. Whatever planet, we'll find an M class for you. Let's make this happen, right? Like that's what we should have been doing. And also, Star Star Trek has also touched on this sort of thing before with the Maquis, where the Maquis mm. were a a terrorist group that um, was started by the the uh, Bajorans to fight against you know, the Cardassians, there's, 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 um, an arc where they have, you know, they have this planet they're living on in the Cardassian neutral zone. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cisco has to be like, no, you guys got, we're going to have to relocate you because you, you can't be on this planet. And the, the dominion's going to fuck you up. dude. Yeah. So they've literally done this sort of thing before. And Cisco was like, no, we got to move. Like he comes down on the other side of Picard of being like, we need to 
move these people. Even and, if they don't want here, to, we're fucking doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're bringing up literally what I would give to the answer of the question that you had of, would you move the sacred tribe to get to the oil? You know, what is the, what it, is the, right. the, the righteousness or the right to do that? It's the life or death oil. No, it's a commodity. It's something yes. we should be off of. It doesn't matter anything. If it's, death these people will die if we don't get them off the planet because the dominion will come or if it's you have the cure of eternal life and no disease and something else those are unfortunately the two where i would have to say you do have to move we're yeah. really good to the needs of the many right so yeah. right they're not profiting we want this for the good of mankind and i think putting the the resource at, at this moral kind of imperative of like this is for everybody that's why it makes more sense like yeah you guys should probably share and, when this, and that's when why yeah P- patrick stewart's best line is but at what cost the admiral just needs to <laughs> how say, many at the cost of moving 600 people i did not say we are killing these people <laughs> right moving and he's like yeah where's the line people. is it ten thousand fifty thousand a million it's like those are all much bigger numbers that, than 600 those are, you understand you're, that, you're right? saying <laughs> as if i'm killing them again is what I would <laughs> yeah because at the yeah, same I'm time <laughs> we do have billions of people who have diseases yeah. and are dying so 600 right. versus a billion picard your math you're not doing it buddy <laughs> yeah let me put it back to you yeah jeez. Yeah. yeah i think he's just so, horny dude he just he's really <laughs> fell for this lady I they so. had to choose a bad actor to be this admiral because if it was anyone with charisma <laughs> it would just come off as a guy who like dominates Patrick Stewart in this conversation. Like, <laughs> no, 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 none of this makes sense. If they had Shaw from season three kind of in that role, that, that, an actor yeah. of that level, yeah, that'd be great. And again, but, uh, they have to really dial up the villain villainousness of Ruafu and the Sona of being like, yeah. okay, actually, they have this whole other motive of like getting revenge against their own people, blah, blah, yes. blah. Like, the Federation are still right. Like, it doesn't change that, you know? You still lock up Sona and be like, dog, not cool that you lied to us, but we need this and we're going to relocate them peaceably to a, a yes. good planet for them, you know, and it'll be yeah. fine. When the it's Admiral finds out their motive, he's like, oh, we're not, I don't, uh, you know, <laughs> this is over for any of that. And he's like, right. oh, well. <laughs> it gets merch. Yeah. <laughs> and Picard is like, I'll take this to, you know, I'll take this up the chain of command. And he's like, you know, the chain of command already agrees with me. We got it approved. Like, yeah, yeah. Literally, like, I don't know what to tell you. I, there's a mountain of paperwork over where that says I have to do this. I filed yeah. a transfer for your Android to help us. This is all above board. <laughs> yeah. I right. called Incredible. you when it turned out his factory warranty was up or whatever. I was like, something's wrong with your droid. I didn't have to do this. But yeah. I'm letting you know. But yeah, you're right. As and soon again, as he I, found out, he says, no, fuck this. We're not doing it. So... He's the hero of this movie. (laughs) He he is. You know, he's the hero we needed. And for Picard to go rogue, I mean, that's definitely something that Kirk would do. And Kirk did break a bunch of laws and stuff to save Spock and all that stuff. But again, Picard is the kind of guy who his honor and his duty, uh, he wouldn't just quit Starfleet over this. I don't think so. I don't think so. Weird motivations. And I think that's kind of the biggest flaw with the movie is that it just doesn't make sense to me. Like his motivations and the whole plot just doesn't make sense. If you don't agree with the Baku people. Yeah. The Admiral should say like, are you fucking one of them? (laughs) Yeah. Like that's none of your business. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Dude. Yeah. That's against the prime directive. (laughs) Kirk would not give a shit, but anyway, yeah, that's literally, we have it in our code. It's called the Kirk directive. You're not allowed (laughs) to have sex with one of them and make these decisions. (laughs) Yes. Especially not on first uh, contact. (laughs) 
actually, there's a famous episode of the original series where uh, Kirk, Kirk and Spock go back in time and they meet this lady that they later find out. Uh, oh, yeah. Is like the reason why they like avert World War II or something, but she has to die in the future. And Kirk has to debate whether he wants to save her because he's into her or you just let her die for the greater Holy good areas. of history. So, yeah. <laughs> I also get vibes of Pen Pal. Pen Pals, if you remember that episode of the TNG, it's the one where there's a, a pre-warp planet, so Prime Directive's in effect that they're monitoring, and they're having all these uh, anomalous like volcanoes and earthquakes and shit. It looks like their whole planet's going to get wrecked. And Data receives a transmission from a little girl on the planet, and he starts responding. And Picard is lays into him, like, what the fuck are you doing? And he, he's literally debating letting the entire planet blow up, because that's a Prime Directive. A whole right. planet. That's more than 600 people. And he still has wow. a hard time with what he does. And this, it's like 600. Fuck it. Give me a gun. Of course. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's very I'm different. usually not the one to break the prime director. Like Cisco. He yells would, at Wesley Jane too. Would. Yeah. Um, but you he's guys the only are one that won't. The power of taking Viagra. Like a planet <laughs> that is shooting Viagra into your body. He's right. feeling great. He's feeling younger making. than ever. Literally, he's, he's like, this no, holly. you're not taking that planet from me. <laughs> he's at full, like, bullhorn, like, headbutting yes. mating mode. Like, I, you will not take yes. her from me. And he goes yes. after yeah. the Admiral. How dare you? <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, this is a wild one. I tell you what. But, I, yeah. They want you to sympathize i don't think they execute it unfortunately because yeah this is yeah there's so just he, really not a lot to it then the no. villain has to start we're going to shoot everybody fucking the villains launch their ships and like start shooting yeah, the villagers the and MC now we have to force thing. our hand yeah and it's like come it's on the killmonger like killmonger had some good points but he also just like killed people in cold blood and yeah so that's how you know he's bad or like the um you know the sub the mariner what's what's the f- his fucking name in wakanda forever Namor. Namor. Yeah, But then when we got uh, Ruafo, it's like, why do you want revenge? Like, you guys chose to dip. So you we, chose to yeah. do that. Like, why are you upset? Well, they tried to, uh, they tried to, like, over, they tried to do a coup in the colony and, like, control the colony, and then they got banished, I think. Okay, okay. Well. So they had to leave, but also, still, that's again, their, their whole thing is that they wanted to use, like, technology and stuff, and the and the people were like, no, we're, like, these space Amish people. We don't want to use technology. Right. And they're yes. like, that's fucked up. We don't want to do that. Yeah, but that's also kind of their choice. Like, they chose to try to do a coup and use technology. Like, all that is, yeah. you they're have to own that. To stay on a planet that they shouldn't be on. I'm not, nobody is the hero. At this Nobody's point. a good guy here, except the Admiral. That, rest in peace, man. <laughs> he was just yeah. duped, and when he found out, he wanted to do the right thing, and he got he duped. He wasn't duped. He was right. assigned to do this. <laughs> that's true. But but the yeah. Riafa was lying to the Federation of their true motives. Everybody was yes. duped. Yeah. And again, Wild. to not the for the Federation not to be like, well, let's talk to the Baku and like figure this out before we resort to spying on them and tricking them and you know relocating without even their knowledge. Um, yeah. yeah. Just just seems like a very un Starfleet thing to do. Uh-huh. Um. So you know, Picard resigns, takes his pips off, puts on his cool '90s leather jacket. No uh, <laughs> sleeves. Soon. Soon we'll have. This is, I just want to yeah. point out, this is 1998. I did a whole episode on the year 1998 because I loved every film yes. I saw in theaters and I remembered them all. I <laughs> Except did not this include this film on that <laughs> list when I did that well, podcast. This is a TV show. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, um, but, you know, in First Contact, you had the cowboy look with the vest. Uh, this one. 
That leather jacket, man, looking cool, uh, looking suave. Let me tell you another <laughs> note from Patrick. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, he goes down, he's grabbing all of his guns and stuff. He's like, hell yeah, it's time to do some violence. Like Classic load. Picard. Yeah. yeah. Didn't Data say that? Lock and load. Yeah, Data said that. So that's the thing. So he goes <laughs> to the captain's yacht, and he's going to take the captain's yacht, and not to involve the rest of the crew, down to the planet. And then the door opens up, and they're like, you thought you could do this alone? We're here too. The whole crew. We're ready to resign from Starfleet. Put on our civilian clothes. Which it's really is a Kirk thing. That would happen with Bones. You know, like he'd be like, "Well, we're with you, Jim." You know, like yeah, not these guys. No. And again, no, it this would is be a like, lot of administrative bureaucratic work to figure it out in the background. That is what TNG yeah. would do, especially this if they're the not most... Prime Directive. Like they're they're out of that, so we could just talk to them straight up. Yeah. No, I think this movie is the most libertarian Star Trek movie <laughs> because they're like, we're going to defend these super isolationist white people against the government who wants to relocate them. So mm-hmm. to enforce your rules on us free people. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah I guess. It's like Waco or something, you know, it it's is. literally like Waco. So with the fountain of youth. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. a weird movie. Um, it, it is something that I could see watching again like just you throw it on in the background like i don't know it's like i watched it and not gonna i fell asleep you know right when the finale was coming up and i had to rewatch the finale i'm like this is relaxing like it's not yeah. good but it, it it's just relaxing again i think the pacing is a little off it takes forever to get going into the what's the actual main plot of the movie and then the plot is so simple of just like we need to defend these colonists you know sona attack the third act is just like them protecting the colonists and then being like, hey, Admiral, did you know that they were lying and stuff? And then uh, Ruafu goes rogue at the end and wants to just do it anyway. And then Picard stops him. And then the movie's over. Yeah, and they yeah. trick him by putting him <laughs> in the hollow ship. And it's like, oh, we thought we were doing the play. You know, and there's yeah. like a yeah, little bit of that going on. They set it up. That's a they, good fake out. Look, my yeah. issue with what you just said, Mike, about throwing this on, and it's what we all keep saying about this is, if I was at your house and say we were like, Hanging out, had a few beers, maybe smoke something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I'm going to put a couple Star Trek episodes on. And you put on a good TNG episode that I was kind of half paying attention to. And then at some point, this movie was on. I would turn to you and be like, you know what? I have seen this one. I do know this episode. And then when it went to yeah. another one, I wouldn't notice. And you would later say, what if I told you that was a movie? movie. That I, had <laughs> I would not right. believe you. Yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, it literally I, just yeah does feel like an episode, an extra long episode. There's just no other way to put it. It's just it's so bare minimum. It's a yeah. bare minimum moral conundrum episode, but they don't fully flesh out the moral conundrum enough for us to know the righteous path. You know, like it's it's so muddled in what the way it's executed that it doesn't even succeed as a moral conundrum episode. So yeah, and this movie. You know came out in theaters like if i went to a theater and saw this movie i would be angry that i spent money watching it you know <laughs> and like just, this came I, up. yeah go ahead i'm gonna ask my dad what his take was because you know again he, he loved captain kirk i truly don't think he ever like i already told you guys he didn't watch tng but i don't believe that like when we were leaving he was ever like star trek's back you know that was man can you guys believe the next generation i think that like each one, he was like, yeah, that's right. They did say transporter. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, mm, yep, that that was Star Trek. That's right. Yeah, these never really feel like the show Picard's to me. And this is probably the worst one, the worst offender so far, I'd say. 
Do you yeah, think, do you like generations more than this, Mike? Uh, yeah, hard to say. Yeah, yes, because of the That's scene. That's the with only Picard one and, that I'm fluctuating on, and we'll see. I think next, they're both. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I think they're both kind of equally not good to me. Like they both feel like extra long episodes of the show. At least Generations has like the Kirk and Picard scenes, which are interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but um. The third act of it is not good, and the third act of this is not really that good either. So, and this is worse than V'ger. Like V'ger looks great, you know, it's a spectacle. But I'd rather watch V'ger than this. Yeah, you know, easily. I would definitely watch number one over this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I so, think I would too. Uh, know, unfortunately, again, that's just like that's just like madness. <laughs> like this, there's no madness to this. There's just I'm never once surprised or like you know anything. Just no, it's unexpected. a very standard episode plot of like going to this planet figuring out what their deal is solving the dilemma and then it's over yeah definitely my least favorite of the tng so far we'll see nemesis but man if nemesis i like less than this i might be shocked i might be shocked i know i know i'm ready for some hot in store <laughs> yeah because i yeah. actually think uh i'm a bit of a nemesis defender i think it might be the second <laughs> well, tom hardy's in TNG it movie <laughs> <laughs> great yeah. Which is um, not, it's, not, it's not a high bar, I don't think, right? No, no. Like, I, yeah, this is. I would rather watch Soren again, you know, and all that shit than than this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. So climbing through scaffolding. So I think that's it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't love it. We didn't love it. You know. No. And we're Hard the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Watch Picard season three instead. Yeah, I'm sorry that Jordy couldn't keep his perfect eyes, but anyway. Picard season three instead. Yeah, it's temporary. <laughs> so, um, but that's noble. the movie. And uh, is it t- time? Maybe, maybe it's uh, time for a little Wrath of Cobb. Ooh, from Hell's Heart, I spit at the pop quiz today. Yeah, <laughs> right after this. back here on Normies Like Us, where we've been talking Star Trek, specifically Star Trek Insurrection. We're back with another of Jacob's Cobb quizzes. The Wrath of Cobb, or is it a Cobb-surrection? Ah, nice. (laughs) Wow. That's right. Um, Before I start the quiz, I just want to say, I mentioned that, you know, Jonathan Frakes, he did not return to direct for Nemesis, and he actually was so disillusioned by the making of this movie that he didn't end up directing for Star Trek for like 20 years until oh uh, Discovery, you know, Discovery came out and he directed an episode of that. But huh. so this killed his desire to ever this, like do well, Star Trek. Really again. burned a bridge. That kind of. Yeah. Wow. There's hmm. two eras. We have Riker's beard. He comes into his own as the actor second season of TNG. And then they make him shave it off in this movie. And he's just like, you know what? I'm out for and 20 years. Immediately right. fucked again. Mike <laughs> he loses his Samson esque power. <laughs> then he had to grow back before he could get, believe it or not. That's false. It's like, you got to keep your beard, man. Ripley's believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Yeah. We made that one up. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Anyway. Um, sorry. Sorry, and- John. Yeah, and just what he said about working on this reminded me a lot of what certain directors will say about MCU of not having enough creativity. Sure. And, you know, it's not for everybody. You know, Ryan, you know, uh, 
who not Ryan Johnson, but who am I thinking of that was going to do Ant Man? Edgar Wright. Edgar oh, Wright. Yeah, Alan yeah. Taylor. My precious. Too as well. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these guys that come out. Mm-hmm. Um. So that is what it is. But let's jump in to the quiz. The Cobb, let's do it. The Wrath of Cobb. If you're watching at home, you know how we do it. Uh, Mike and I are going to have our hands up and do some signals. Otherwise, we're going to do some true and false. I assume that is the the format again. Yes. That's right. So I'm trying to trick you guys. You guys are trying to guess true or false. We'll see who wins. It gets trickier the more we learn about the creatives and whether they were good or bad to work with. There's some curveballs yeah. here, so I'm ready. Let's, let's do our best. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. First question. This is the first Star Trek film in which all of the space shots are CG. No models used. True or false? Okay. I like how the ship with all the coils in the back looks. That, mm. to me, does not seem like a model. I'm talking this out here, but I'm, I think I'm locked in, Mike. <sighs> I'm, I'm locked in. I'm not confident, but yeah. Lock I'll sleep for think a bit. about the... Uh, yeah, think about all the space <laughs> exteriors. How do they look? Also, again, right. there's not a lot of space exteriors. <laughs> no. No, not too much. All right, well. Patch. Yeah. 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 I'll risk it. I'll risk it. Here we go. Uh, all right. Three, two, one. Reveal. I said true. false. All right, so we're on opposite ends. That is true. That is oh, true. Okay, Colin with a point. So keep in mind, you know, when this was made, um, so this was, you know, DS9 was ending its run. It, it, it can't, you know, seven, season seven came out the same year as this movie, which is the last season of DS9 in the second or third season of Voyager. Uh, and Voyager was the first show in which they went to all CG. That's um, right. So this is the time period. They're like, you know, models are too expensive. We're hey, going to you CG. You know what though, Jacob? Didn't yeah. look bad. Didn't look, yeah, didn't look bad. Again, I just don't love the 1701E the exterior look or inside the bridge. I just prefer the D uh, and, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> yep. Yep. So does uh, a niche on that planet. Um, <laughs> bald guys too. Um, is there, is there a character in star Trek who makes a bunch of models of the various enterprises? <laughs> Picard collects them. Well, there was that, oh, yeah, that Picard wall does? of models. He in has his contract. Oh, yeah. He shit. smashes them. Oh, he broke your toys. Yes. That was his quarters. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I'm, I'm going to get you one. He likes to look at his stargazer. I know you have a few of them, but they actually make them. I think that's the sign of an engineer. That's gotta be, scotty's like thing that when he's yeah. retired but um you O'Brien, know what I, I could see o'brien doing that oh for sure yeah i should have thought about the exterior shots of them in california desert planet and realized that for budgetary reasons there was no way they did anything practical i should have realized no. so anyway good job colin yeah and even a lot of the interiors i can say were voyager sets that were redressed so a lot of the 1701e like Picard's quarters was just Janeway's quarters and Voyager and, and different things. Uh, like that. So they were re- reusing sad. a lot of sets. But they like, made how that big was the budget on this movie because they're they're cutting a lot of corners, right? They spent it all on joystick pedestal. They have a special <laughs> joystick pedestal. <laughs> yeah, that costs that a lot actually, of money. <laughs> that's not a question on here, but I did read a, a trivia that's like this joystick model was like this certain model that was an actual gaming joystick in the nineties. Oh, cool. There yeah. are. Uh, after playing Star Wars Squadrons, before we get back to the quiz, there are people who all they do is they list what model joystick is used for the spaceships in every show. And like, I'm starting to be able to identify. I'm like, oh, that's a Cosmo nut. Oh, that's a, you know, whatever. Like, so there are people who are that nerdy that are like, I know that's a Logitech X42 or whatever. It's like, okay. (laughs) So I would Um, like that piece of trivia. But anyway, moving on. Yeah. 
Um, so next question. All right. A kiss scene between Picard and Inanaj was shot, but it was cut out of the film. True or false? Is there not a kiss scene in the movie? There's I, a, I think one. he kisses on her, her on, his, on her forehead at one point, but there's not a oh. mouth to mouth kind of kiss. Oh. <laughs> I hate that. <sighs> I think I'm ready. It yeah, I'm locked in. All right. Yeah. Three, two, one, reveal. True. Gotta Come be on. true, right? Okay. That is true. That yeah. is okay. true. One point each. Patrick's um, tenth demand. And I kissed and, the girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was very disappointed by it being cut, actually. Um yeah. apparently the reason it was cut it was during that scene when they they show that she can like slow down time or whatever and things like slow motion, which they don't mm-hmm. really explain. They're just like he's just like, yeah. How did you do that? No more questions, <laughs> she says. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a kiss there was supposed to be a kiss in that scene, but I guess they cut it because it just looked weird because they shot it in that super slow mo and then they just said it just Why didn't did work in the final do- cut. <laughs> <laughs> you can speed the footage up. Yeah. That is, that is the silliest excuse. That is an excuse that they told Patrick Stewart that he now tells. That is not right. the reason it's not included. Like, Will, you got to break why. it to Patrick. Jonathan so only against, shot it in uh, slow mo. <laughs> oh, uh, they're so oh, against giving Picard any kind of love interest for some reason. He just Even into Picard seems where he's very like, sexless <laughs> to me. I don't know. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. He does. I mean, he had. Um, that ar- archaeologist lady that was like his main fling in the show. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name either, but uh, yeah, um, the lady on Risa, she's like steals some artifacts, yeah. you know, she's a little she's like rascal. A, she's like a con con woman archaeologist. Uh, and then now in the Picard show, he finally gets his way. Cause they're like, Oh, this, your Romulan maid. That's like 40 years younger than you. She's going to be in, she, into you now, uh, in season two. What? But then they just wrote her out in the first season of, uh, first episode of season three, and, which is very funny. And now they're doing new romantic stuff with them anyway. It's like, all right, Picard, you'll finally get it. And of course him and Crusher had an on again, off again thing for a time. Uh, Dr. Crusher. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. They're just re- resistant to like show him be sexual at all in the show. Um, yeah. I wonder if that's a reaction to the Kirk. Like, we need to have a, the opposite kind of guy. But, yeah, in the movies, he's pushing for it. They still don't let him have it. So, weird. Yeah. Next Sorry, question. Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, F. Murray Abraham. Nothing controversial in the news with him. Fuck Mary on. Abraham. Is that uh, the game we're playing? <laughs> that's right. Fuck Mary yeah. Abraham. What does the F stand for? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Frank. That's the quiz. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Jonathan Apparently, Franks. he's more like mm-hmm. his character in uh, White Lotus season two than we thought. But uh, mm. uh, F. Murray Abraham was not the or F. Murray Abraham was the first choice to play Ruafu. Is that true or false? <sighs> I'm, I'm ready. Done. Yep. All right. Oh, three, two. Yeah, we're good. I saw it. I was on the same thing. It was. I get, we went false. false. Yes, hey, that was false. That yeah. I was trying to trick yeah. you guys, but that is false. So, apparently, w- this is one of the facts that I read. Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of the people they offered this role to, and he turned it down. Same part, Arnold not Schwarzenegger. as the Admiral, as that character? As, yeah, the Ruafu, mm. the loose-skinned mm. weirdo. Right. Mm. Gotta... And this is, you know, the height of Arnold's popularity yeah. in the 90s. Like, he's doing major action movies and Literally, stuff. Literally, 1997 is Batman and Robin. 
So it's yeah, like he he uh, is getting top billing as the villain of a film over the heroes. Is that what we would have wanted in this film? No, <laughs> I can only assume would have been he would have been like way good to have him doing his Austrian accent. Uh, yeah, it would have been weird. I don't know. About yeah, that. and I, you know, just seeing, imagining those prosthetics with him. I mean, we've had big name actors as villains before, you know, but you know, Christopher Plummer and stuff. But I can't yeah. see it. I cannot no, see yeah, it. Not, not this part. And, or here Abrams is coming off his, well, in the 80s, you know, he was an Amadeus, which he was, I can't remember if he won an Oscar or was just nominated for Nominated. Amadeus. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his, maybe his best known role just in terms of movies. But uh, anyways, next question. And we'll so get AI are, to put, we'll put Arnold back in with deep fakes now. We'll just do the AI yeah. version of that. Um, it's one Colin has three. I have two. So Colin's still up. You guys by are doing one. pretty well so far. I gotta try to throw some curveballs at you. Maybe Let's see. Richard mm-hmm. E. Grant would have made mm. a great uh, villain in this film, but you need sure. somebody thin and slimy. Going for a big muscle head for that part that makes no sense. No. Yeah. No. 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 The opposite again, of this, virility uh, is what it should represent. Being off that planet, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. Um. All right. Next question. Uh, Sally Field was the first choice to play Anish. Sally Field. Is that true or false? Okay. Locked in. I'm locked in. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Three, two, one. Reveal. I went true. True. Seems much more believable. That is true. That is true. 80 for Brady. Uh, (laughs) And just a couple more uh, fun facts about casting that I'm not going to include for the quiz mm-hmm. for the Admiral. They wanted Wilford Brimley or Gene Hackman. Uh, yeah. And Patrick huh. Stewart requested that it be his very old friend, Brian blessed. Uh, oh, okay. Who I guess they, they just go way back. Ronnie Cox plays an Admiral on a really good TNG episode. I would have loved if this was Ronnie Cox mm. and especially to give him the death scene. And they, he had the history with Patrick Stewart. I, I don't know. I just yeah. think that would have been more interesting. But it was oh yeah, I know. That's um Jellico. Great Admiral. Oh. Yeah. That would been awesome to bring back Jellico. Yeah. Cuz he was um, right kind of too. <laughs> yeah. You know? He takes over the ship when uh Picard is is being tortured and stuff by the Cardassians on the secret mission. Yeah, that's, that's a great episode, episode of course. Yeah, yeah, Riker doesn't like it. Yeah, that that's that would've been great to bring back Jellico in this And you're like series. you're not doing enough and he's like I am. I've been doing this in the background the whole time. I'm your right. commanding officer. You need to respect that. It's like, oh, yeah. it's the it's the last Jedi uh Poe lesson, right? Where he's like, "No, Unless you're constantly saying you're doing the right thing, you're not doing the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hey, yeah. It's like Jellico's a little like uh, Shaw from Picard too. And they could have had the inverse. It's oh, like the inverse Khan. We have we have a antagonistic ish, but he's still on. You know, but we have a presence from the TV show that we're going to give a, a big role to in the film series. I mean, yeah, it's weird. Really yeah, cool. they could have reused a, a, an admiral. Maybe the admiral, the lady from uh, the Drumhead, possibly. Yeah, it would just make um, sense. Someone like that. Yeah. By the way, in Picard season three, they do bring back Lieutenant Shelby from the best of both worlds as Admiral Shelby. Uh, that's briefly, right. You'll see, you see her. So that's, oh, that's fun. fine. Yeah. Um, All right. Four so to three. Casting fun facts. Here's another. Here's another mm-hmm. question. Brent Spiner wanted Data to be killed in this movie. Is that oh. true or false? I'm so ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. Reveal. True. true. We're going true. That is true. That yeah. is true. Kill me. He he wanted Data to be killed. He thought he was getting too old to play Data, a never aging robot. 
But of course, Brent Spiner is aging. Uh, and he's like, I, I don't think I can play Data anymore. I'm too old. Jacob, you've been doing uh, Frasier as a second screen, or you were for a little bit. Am I yeah, wrong? Yeah, I went through all Frasier. Is there a Brett Spiner episode where he plays a famous TV robot and they're like, they're like obsessed with it and he's like, and I don't want to play this or be known by this anymore. He is a guest star on an episode, I think, but I don't think that's his mm. part. Um, I, I feel also, like he had that story in a different sitcom that was very referential to him just no longer wanting to be known as Data. Could be. Wild. Um, there's another episode of Frasier that Patrick Stewart is a guest star on and he plays a gay guy. I, who, that one's really good. <laughs> I do remember that yeah. one. He's he plays a gay guy Frasier. who thinks Frasier, well, he yes. thinks Frasier is gay and is into mm-hmm. him. So he starts like, it's a very, it's a misunderstanding. Does he know? have a beard too? Uh, he might. I think I remember him looking really good, Patrick Stewart, in that episode. Being oh, like, sure. God damn. Yeah. I never watched yeah. Frasier. That's maybe Just the cheers. character he's always wanted to play. He's very sexual in that episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Frazier is a great show. Love nice. Niles. Niles is one of my favorite oh, uh, character TV characters. Yeah, yeah. Easily. <laughs> and that's um, coming back too. I don't even think Niles yeah. is going to be in it though, is he? I don't no, think anybody's just coming Grammer. back except Kelsey Grammer. Uh, and he's living in Boston again or something, not Seattle. And he's like a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it cool. seems like Kelsey Grammer has been trying to get this off the time. There's like, fine, you can have your Frasier reboot. Kelsey Grammer would have been an awesome villain in this film. Oh, Kelsey Grammer is in an episode of Next Generation. Oh, you guys have told me that. Uh-huh. I have seen, a, he has yeah. a beard, right? He and plays some a Star Trek captain or yeah. a, a Starfleet captain. Yeah. Because you got, did you tell me he's loved Star Trek? That he's Yeah, he was a big Star, Star Trek, Trek fan. fan. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Patrick Stewart was in Frasier. Yeah, it was a nice little uh, crossover. Um, heck yeah. All heck right. yeah. Next question. Oh, and Brent Spiner. So they. They originally had in the script that he was going to be killed and the higher ups were like, no, nah, don't kill data. And then they gave him his well, copy of the script and it had a note and just said, sorry, kill you later. So dang. Well, See, I thought forward situation. Yeah, it no. feels like they could have killed him in the last movie too. Like just straight up sacrifice to save Picard, you know, yeah. from green gas. Stay tuned. Borg well. later next month. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Next question. You guys are doing really well. I got to stump you guys. Yeah, I um, took a risk on the first one and I regret it. So you get Mike. Yeah. So Patrick Stewart uh, has said in an interview that he did agree with Picard's choices in this movie. Is that true or false? Oh, so he, this is it. This is the game right here. What do we is, think Patrick Stewart is. thinks? Boy, and I've spent pretty much this whole episode <laughs> trying to get into his head, and I yeah. still feel at a loss here. Yeah. So oh man, there. it's terrible. Oh no. He, he never. Let me say this: he never makes the right choice. So right, seems like it. Right. So what is guiding me here? Yeah. I got it. I got an answer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Ready to reveal? Correct. Three, two, one. Reveal. True? I went with true as well. That you is had to false. have advocated. Wow. Uh, thank God. <laughs> thank goodness. I didn't want that to be correct. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. I try I was trying to throw you guys off, but he You did. Said he disagreed with what Picard did, and he would have actually made them give up the planet. Good. <laughs> yeah, so he agreed well, with us. Thank you. He chose correctly. <laughs> it's uh Luke actually, Skywalker. I guess, yeah, when they gave him the script. He was a little concerned because he's like, this doesn't make sense. I don't this like the bad. plot of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Follow those instincts. <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. 
Dang. Okay. Well, thank God. Yeah, he didn't want to do that. Uh, Jake Picard, like Jake Skywalker, that Mark Hamill was saying. Like, I don't know if Luke would do that. Maybe it's Jake, but uh, yeah, right. not Picard-like behavior. So, I just went right, with true because he thought he was advocating for something. Thankfully, it wasn't the script. It was just for Mambo. Yeah. yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. great, uh, great quiz, Jacob. <laughs> you got more? Thank you. I do have. Uh, couple more questions. Colin oh, wants to wrap know. it up because he's in the lead. He wants to get out of here <laughs> truly, with a win. <laughs> I thought that was the last one. <laughs> no, almost uh, three more questions. All right, all right. Um, or four more. Uh, okay. Only So this movie is the only time that the captain's yacht is seen on screen in the show or movies. Is that true or false? The captain's yacht, which is what Picard takes when he resigns from Starfleet. He's going to the Baku planet in the captain's yacht. When they, mm. when the not a shuttle, not an escape, pod. right? The captain's okay. yacht. Okay, I think I'm locked in. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, reveal. False. That is true. Wow. It's Got the only stump- time it's seen on screen, it's mentioned in like one episode of the show. Mm-hmm. But before this, it's never seen. So they're just like, let's let's show the captain's yacht in this movie. <laughs> See, I would have thought if this they're going to make it once. Yeah. yeah, I figured if they made a 3D model, they would reuse it budget yeah. at some point. Right. But I guess not because this is late in the run film, of the series. I figured everything was recycled. So, yeah. yeah. All it's right. all CG. And then there's the, the ship that Data is piloting in the beginning, which I don't even know what that ship is called or like what it's cool. supposed to be. It's kind of like a defiant looking ship. Yeah. Um, Didn't the Admiral say that was that, that's his ship that they like? Yeah. But it's right. like a little bigger than a shuttle, but it's like. And it, has, and it also has like, does it have a cloaking device on it too? I can't remember. I don't think it had cloaking, but it had some weird shield action. But anyway. A lot of stuff yeah. is invisible in this movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's true. Which is technology that Including only the, the Romulans and the Klingons are supposed to have. But for some reason, they're just, they can just turn data invisible at the beginning. But anyways. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. Let's keep it moving. So, so. This movie came out after season six of DS9 on which, you know, there were some, tr- some events that happened to Worf. Uh, this is all context for this question, but Worf mm-hmm. ends up getting married to Jadzia Dax, the science mm-hmm. officer, a trill, which is that species that Colin hates. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then in the climax of season six, uh, she's killed by uh, what's his name? Gold Ducat, uh, who's, you know, become like this prophet of the paw rays or whatever. It's mm-hmm. a whole thing. But um, they wrote off Terry Farrell. And this again comes from the Rick Berman uh, doesn't get along with any female cast member of any Star oh, Trek. Get along. <laughs> yeah. Right. Terry Farrell. They don't like you know, when I harass them. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, right? Yeah. So Terry Farrell felt like she was, you know, mistreated on set. Didn't want to do anymore. Asked to be written off. And, very pettily, Rick Berman killed her permanently so that she could never come back or anything. Um, and it's a very controversial decision to this day to have her killed off in the season six finale. Anyways, the mm-hmm. point of that is that Worf married uh, Jadzia Dax and then lost his wife. This happened like right before this movie came out because it you know came out between season six and season seven, right? So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Um, okay. So originally there was a scene in this movie where they acknowledged what happened in DS9 uh, but they cut it. Is that true or false? He's a guest, but I'm here. Yeah, I'm locked on. Ready? Mm-hmm. Three, yeah. two, one, reveal. 
I said true. true. All right, same page. That is true. Yeah. I had a scene where Picard, you know, says, oh, my condolences that your wife died and all that stuff. And Rick Berman himself overruled Michael Piller, who wanted to include it, and said, no, cut that. Uh, so, again, pretty sketchy, right? Pretty petty. Wow. <laughs> pretty yeah. petty. Wow. Yeah, we just want yeah. to make fun of Worf. We don't want to acknowledge yeah. his yeah, trauma. Yeah, I, I just believe that it was wife. in there because, like, Michael Dorn would have done something great with something meaty like that. And he really doesn't get anything else yeah. like that in these movies. Well, yeah, imagine... You know, go through puberty and be comic relief. Right. Like, even with half a second to think about it, it's like he shows up like picard this shit went down i'm feeling bad and then he gets to a planet where everybody lives forever and he's like why couldn't i have eternal life with my loved one and he's like reflecting on the brevity life. of existence right? right you know like you could do more with it but anyway that would take competence and of course as a trill she comes back as a different in a different host body in season seven uh everybody loves a, that anyone's favorite character no offense to the actress that played no her, no she's a good actress but it just felt very tacked on for the last season of ds9 yeah yeah and seven it got seven seasons yeah so we have one so season the very last Esri. season you have esri dax this new character Esri, uh who ends up i think in a relationship with dr bashir um, who always had a crush on jadzia dax but anyways which is kind um, of I'm dating your sister sort of i don't know it's a weird situation bashir is weird though i don't you. know well yeah, yeah we'll talk about Bashir one day anywho <laughs> Uh, moving so on next question. Yeah. Think, think, um, man, if I don't steal one here. All right. So next question, uh, Rick Berman wanted to include a Lieutenant Barclay cameo. Is that true or false? Hmm. Are we hmm. going to give Rick Berman after all this stuff we just said about him, something good, a positive, like a Barclay cameo, right? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Maybe not. I'm locked ready? in three, two, one reveal false i said true is that it? is false that is false two point lead off again he's just Threw baiting you mike he's <laughs> saying barclay just to trick. he knows <laughs> what, what i want i love barclay um, yeah. actually michael pillar wanted to include a scene ah. with barclay ah, but that was a, a note that he got from the studio to cut that and replace it with a larger role for crusher or wharf and give them more screen time instead so Huh. Well, that would have been nice. <laughs> so he didn't take that advice? <laughs> yeah. They get a little more, I guess. But yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Last Crusher question. Shoots a gun. wrap up the Wrath of Cobb. All um, right. What's his, the score? So Colin's ahead by two. He's up by two. It's uh, seven to five. Looks this like. one's worth five. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> we can make this one worth... Uh, Three or whatever. Ten million. Um, it doesn't really. It's arbitrary. Yeah. At that point. Uh. Okay. Last question. Armin Shimmerman shot a cameo as Quark in this movie. Oh. True or false? Boy. There's nothing I would have liked more. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I'm ready. Okay. Locked in. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Reveal. True. False. That is true. Oh my God, Colin with the win. 10 million and seven points. But they cut it. I guess he was going to be in at the very end. He was going to be landing on the Baku planet talking about like setting up a timeshare company or something. And then there's going to be a scene with him and Picard and War. And then Worf was going to take him back to DS9. Like, she could have been fun to me. Yeah. (laughs) 
Could have been Could fun have been as a post cred. Yeah, and that's a good stinger if we were in that era. Mike, yeah, post creds. If that was the last scene of the movie, yeah. this movie would have been brought to life for the last scene of the movie. You could <laughs> put, put that in as the first scene, and I would have liked it. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Put it anywhere. Apparently, they they, these... so Max Grodencheck, who plays Rom, his brother, mm-hmm. is in this movie as a like an extra, like a like a Starfleet Trill officer. Mm-hmm. Um so he's just like in a little cameo, like he's not even playing the same character, but he's just in a cameo. Wow. Yeah, you there know, you they go. throw they throw that, you know, cameo bone to a lot of Star Trek actors. Well great yeah. quiz, Jacob. I'm defeated, Colin. Congratulations, You've done it. Colin. Once again. I think I feel like what's the overall record on these quizzes now out of <laughs> out of nine or ten? Uh, we'll have to get the final once yeah, we get to Nemesis. We have the sheets, yeah. We'll get a tally. But yeah, I, I was the last 10 minutes of every episode. <laughs> well, there I keep track generally in the uh, good, good. notes. But, uh, you know, I was I was scared to ignite the exhaust, but you weren't. Um, so, congratulations. Yeah. Just, like Jacob said off-pod, there's just well, probably were not that many interesting facts about a film that, frankly, no. wasn't very interesting. Here's my <laughs> right. final thing. It yeah, that seems yeah. good. I think I've cool had better message. quizzes. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. They, it, look... I said it before about the writing. Like, there was an attempt of something here, right? But, you know, I don't know. I just don't think this brain trust was the right way to go. It's interesting that they got so insular with these new movies that I guess because of the success of the TV shows, after the failure of the first show, that they felt confident to go, no, we do understand what this is now. But boy, it needs fresh blood. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we're kind of getting into final thoughts here as we wrap up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah, the big problem with the, the the thing, the the film is that I think I've said this before is that I want when when one of these movies comes out, I want it to have like movie stakes, a reason to exist outside of the show, all that stuff. And at the end of the day, this felt like they're going back to these same people that wrote all these great episodes, but they're coming at it from a TV sort of a TV writer perspective almost. Uh, yeah. They need someone with a more film background or mindset um, to take these over, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they kind of realize that too with Nemesis. And we'll talk about that next month. Yeah. And and you look at the original series movies and like by going to non-Trek people, you get a Wrath of Khan. You know what I mean? Right. You know, you you, you get, you turn Kirk into Shakespeare. Like like you elevate it, right? The themes and everything of of the show and and this kind of whole deal. And TNG just hasn't gotten that yet. It's gotten better than average TV plots. Like First Contact is better than average TV plot. And that's the best yeah. I think we've had so far. Um, and this is below average TV plot and below average budget it, too. It, like Mike, if they were to weave fiction into this film, all of what you were just referencing, like Melville, Moby Dick being equated to the weight of this, it's like, this is Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. It would be yeah. like in the background going like, and of course the Lorax said, no, don't take my trees. Yeah, this is the worst version like, of Avatar. Yeah. yeah, obviously Avatar did it better. I was just about <laughs> to say that. Um, right, sorry, I didn't mean to steal it. Be mind melded. Yeah. Your thoughts to my thoughts. And uh, yeah, there's just not enough there to really justify a movie. And I know they went through some 
I didn't even get into the sort of the making of like the writing of this and like they had different ideas about what they wanted to do. Ultimately kind of scrapped a couple ideas that sounded more, maybe more interesting than this. Anything and, you can say about any of those, any like a um, word or that, that you remember that just jumped out, like this actually did seem like one good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they had, I mean, they had a whole draft where, uh, cause you got to think something slipped through the crack, but they can't all be bad ideas. You know, maybe they had something going yeah. on in there. A writer's They had pitch. a whole draft that was very different. Um, and then they were just like, ah, it's too, it's not working. Let's, let's, let's make it simpler. Let's make it lighter in tone. And that's what we get. Right. And it's a bummer. Cause you have all this overarching stuff happening in the Star Trek universe at this time. The deep space nine is rolling. Is Voyager's yeah. not out yet, but you could use a tentpole movie if they were thinking the way we do now. Your tentpole movie sets up the next phase of Star Trek. It sets up some shit going on. There's a the Gamma Quadrant. I don't know. This anomaly is fucking weird. I don't know. You could set up stuff that's going to lead yeah. into other Trek or tie things in more to elevate this movie to where it has an that's effect on the day-to-day goings-on. You know, It's definitely something they could have done and maybe should have done. Um... I guess, like I said, they were trying to split that difference between generations and first contact, making it feel more like the show, but also like a movie. And it didn't really work. But outside of generations, did any of the TNG movies make money? Oh, I think man. Um, first contract. I think first contact did well. That's why they brought really? back. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that one felt the most like a movie. This one, again, I think they were trying to do their undiscovered country with the whale, or not undiscovered country, but the one with the whales um, from the OG. They're trying to do a lighter tone. Let's get some mm-hmm. sort of comedy in there. Let's low stakes, you know, not having world ending Borg encounters and stuff. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, no James where- Cromwell listening to Magic Carpet Ride. No. Oh, yeah. And, and again, with where kind of blockbusters movies have gone in the last years, like this movie, I don't think they would make it today. They wouldn't want to no. make. They'd make something more like the Abrams movies, where like big things are happening. You know. Yeah, so, absolutely. It is. Yeah, what these, it is. and it'll be interesting to get to the Abrams verse, where they're strictly made from the standpoint of what if strictly using movie brain and not TV yeah. brain whatsoever. What basically. if we made these blockbusters? What if they looked slick? What if they were huge action? What if they didn't feel like Star Trek? Like, yeah, that is the questions we start asking. Mm-hmm. And Colin, again, like you said, there's so many things they could have brought in. Why didn't they have Q? Why didn't they have lore? Why didn't they touch on the Dominion? These are all things that Picard seasons one through three is like, okay, now let's bring in these things. Yeah. Like, let's have 20 Q. 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having mentioned Ketrasel White in the script and not giving Picard a chance in the movies to interact with the Dominion ever, like, dude, right. big it's oversight. It's a little weird. Yeah. yeah, but that is what it is. We've we've done it though. We made it through Star Trek Nine. Next is a uh, Nemesis and Nemesis out of the Abrams. And but I, I'm very interested to see how next month will go because Nemesis does have a reputation as being for a lot of people the worst TNG movies. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how you guys feel about it. If if it has some relationship stuff, my issue with the TNG films, and it might be because I don't watch the show like you guys, my connection to the OG crew was, those are my guys, that's my family, I love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The TNG crew's my coworkers. It's like, if I don't see you guys every day, 
I'm not really sweating. It. <laughs> like I don't feel like I know you all that very well, strictly no. just from your relationships in the movies. Mm-hmm. And if the next one has them really feeling like a cohesive crew, I will like the movie a lot. Mm. Maybe it That's will. That's what the yeah. I, I'm hoping again, it's I think better. I, I think you need to watch Picard season three because I think that solves a lot of the problems that these movies had, and it's just a better. It's 10 hours long, so it has the advantage of having more time to develop these relationships, but it gives the rest of the crew Can more you imagine to imagine if I start Picard Season 3 tonight? <laughs> yeah. Instead of watching Andor, Cargo Bay Podcast just explodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, yeah, it would just yeah. detonate. Um, really, like you just got to watch both, I guess. Um, but yeah, 10 hours for that. It is, it is better. It, um, it's not perfect, but this, didn't love it. I hope Nemesis is better. Um, it has to be. If the plot is at least somewhat coherent, like it, it'll, it'll probably be better. Well, I have some <laughs> bad news for you. <laughs> um, Fair we'll enough. Check, we'll see next month. Now, what if Won't there was we? a Romulan clone, Mike? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about as long as he's yeah, Tom right. Hardy. <laughs> and believe it or not, that'll be our 10th time. But first, we're going to say thank you a ninth time here for following mm-hmm. us on our cosmic journey through the stars, our big, long trek that we've been taking. Jacob, this was such a great idea. It's been such a fun time. Um, I'm very nervous that we're going to be talking about another Transformers film coming up here. I feel like oh, I'm not man. ready to go back to that universe. <laughs> no. But I've been loving sticking to this one. It proves yeah. the formula works. We did, yes. you know, we skipped last month because there's just so many new movies that we wanted to talk about coming out. We may have to, I don't know, I think we'll probably do it next month, right? But there are some more big movies coming out this summer that Brand we want to talk summer. about. Yeah. Maybe take a break before Abrams. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll figure out our big marathon. For the holiday season as well. Yeah, at some boy, point. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Wow. What are we going to do? Pirates of the Caribbean. Don't say it out loud. I was thinking about it again today, but my issue is, would you want to talk about Johnny for six films or, oh, or whatever the hell those are? That's so we, many. We talked about Michael for movies. Six. I only like the first one, so that'll be interesting. But <laughs> I, I imagine it being more painful than Transformers. We'll find out. I guess you guys, you let us know if you have any suggestions, yeah. listeners. It yeah, might yeah. be good for that. It We're not, not have to be that married to we've any done of a those. lot of big. We've, yeah, we've done a lot of franchises already. But if there's any that we've missed that we're thinking of, let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hit us up at normies underscore like underscore us and say. I've been watching Picard season three. I love Rafi. We want to hear that. Uh, mm-hmm. If you that like Star Trek ever. Insurrection, I assume you did rush the capital on the sixth, and that's the reason. So yeah, this you, is your favorite you Star Trek. Tag the FBI as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's alarming. Yeah. By the way, we've been your host. This is uh, Ensign Colin. Uh, Mike Sonamog. And this is Captain. Jake Luke Picab. Live long and prosper, normies. That's not what he says, but that's what I say. Live long and podcast. Yeah, brother. Yeah, make pod so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make pod so. Uh, take it easy, normies. Enjoy those sunsets. <laughs> Bye. <clears throat> Bye. Bye. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe.
Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools. All right. Just started getting <clears throat> scratchy throat as soon as we finished. Perfect. Yeah. I feel like I lost my voice for the first 30 minutes of this podcast, and then it completely <laughs> came back. Well, it's oh, the God. healing energy of the planet. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's why. We regenerated That's what now. We need. I feel like I regenerated when I went to Florida last week. I just had some... Uh, Real, vitamin D, some sun, you know, feeling better. Great, touch grass. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs>